people if there's anyone fancy listening hi how's it how are you hi <laughs> otherwise you okay and welcome oh sorry that's yeah you. welcome my name is michelle i'm jody and this is your podcast um this is the bi-weekly podcast where we unpack and tease out many of the issues in South Africa that we don't understand or we simply don't talk about. Episode 6, can you believe it? No, I actually can't. I'm deep within. So how has your week been? I just want to say, despite the fact that South Africa is a hot mess, we, have, we, have, we are in the middle of four weeks of four-day work week, four work weeks. Really? Yes, dude, it's incredible. How is anyone surviving? I'm not being productive at all. No one's being productive. Every time we try to schedule a meeting with people, that I just make it off in May. No, that's true. <laughs> just make it after the 2nd of May. <laughs> I know. A lot of people that I've emailed, I've gotten auto-replies, and I didn't know that they were going to be on leave. Yeah. And I'll just get an auto-reply, like, see you in May, bitches. Oops. Yeah. It's like, oh, okay, this is new for me. Because I'm back in the workforce in this country and so i'm not aware of all of these public holidays for the there's four weeks of public holidays four weeks where there is a public holiday but it's only this period and then we're done it's fine it's still nice and the next one is in august oh it's so long it's okay i kind of miss the chinese system even though i used to complain about it it's like a whole week at the beginning of the year Another whole week for Mid-Autumn Festival. Another whole week for China's Golden Week. They give you the whole week. But then you have to work back two weekends afterwards. Oh, no. I know. But if you were to just give people the entire week and then not ask them to work it back, it would have been so lit. Mm. Because actually, if you, if you give people five days off, but then ask them to work back two days on either week, on either week of the week off, you're actually just giving them like three days off. So then why bother? Actually, yeah, it's yeah, one yeah. day off that you're yeah. giving them. So the Chinese oh. government really scammed an entire country into working <laughs> working unnecessary weekends. But we moved. If the government did that, yeah, people would rule the anarchy. <laughs> Once the South Africans caught on that actually you're only giving us one day. Yeah, they would be so mad, eh? They would, the streets would be flooded. And everyone in China knows it's a scam. Like, everyone is aware. And they're just like, ah, we just keep on. What must happen? Mm -mm. Mm -mm. Not this. Here. South Africans have their weekends. (laughs) But that actually brings me to the first story of the week, which is... Girl, there's a court battle happening right now over the fact that in this country, you have to pay to protest. Did you hear about this? No. So, this is like happening in Joburg, where (laughs) when you go and protest one organization in particular, the Right to Know campaign, um, they went to 
they go into the to court about the fact that every time that they have to organize a campaign that the Joba government is saying you have to pay for the necessary precondition to organize a protest and the, the fees charged by the city have ranged from 172 rand for a picket convened by a civil society organization to 15,000 rand for a union strike march and like that's what the Joburg city is like asking people to pay for protest so the right to know was like wait what no so they're taking him to court girl it smells like corruption <laughs> it just <laughs> it's sweet scent but we have a but protesting is um like a right yes and I don't understand why I need to pay to protest. No, it completely defeats the purpose. But the government is saying that <laughs> it's not. It's the, the the protest right goes for like the to to close off certain roads and stuff like that during protest action. But imagine if I had to go stand outside, I don't know, my mom's house and protest the fact that she wasn't giving me chicken curry for dinner, for example. Imagine if someone from the city had to come and be like, you need to pay to stand here and protest. What? That? Nothing about... Once again... <laughs> just no critical thinking inside. It's not even critical thinking. It's just thinking. thinking. Is that the motto? That's the motto for this podcast. I'm gonna... I'm already gonna get it on a mug. On a... Should we do mugs? Yeah. Or should we do t-shirts? Or both? Both. And lit- literally have it say, that's not even critical thinking. It's, it's just, just thinking. thinking. I'm going to get a tattoo on my forehead. <laughs> <laughs> I love that journey for us. I just don't understand how the city is getting it. I can picture them standing there being like, Okay, boss, so for you to have this protest, how many people did you say it was going to be at your protest? A hundred. Okay, cool, you need to pay 400 rand for the protest. And then you standing there at the office being like, bing, 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 bing. That doesn't sound right, but like, what else can you do in order to have this protest, like, legal? Like, because you know what they do? If they ask you for your protest papers, authorities, no. they will ask you for it. And if you don't have, like, a piece of paper saying that you do, that's a thing. And that's another thing I don't understand. Why do I need to formally register my grievance, my right to protest? This sounds also like, you know when workers have strikes? Mm. You need to tell the employees that there's going to be a strike. (laughs) It's the same thing. It just doesn't make sense. Isn't the whole point that it's unexpected and anticipated and you get a fright? Yes. It's like, imagine if, 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 like, in, I wonder if this is the same, like, in war, where I have to be, like, guys, we just beware, we're going to employ guerrilla tactics on you guys, so you're not going to see it coming. But we're just telling you that it's coming. Nah, guys. <laughs> so, uh, this is a thing. That's story number one. Make of that what you want. I honestly don't understand. I know that protesting is in our blood. But the formalization of this is now getting absurd. Yeah, and it's going to restrict... It makes it an access thing. Yes! Yeah. You know I mean? I, 
what level of capitalism is it? Like, it has to be one of the final stages where you need to pay. What level ca- of dystopia? <laughs> yeah. Okay. It's high up there. Story number two, and this is quite a serious story. It's the KZN situation. Um, at the time of recording our last episode, this hadn't happened yet. Mm. But we know that KZN experienced way higher than usual level of rain that caused an onslaught of floods, complete devastation, really tragic events. Yeah, it was actually, it was very, very bad. Um, deeply, deeply, deeply scary and concerning things. Um, and already, already, the government was like, okay, so there's going to be money coming in, ne? So, thank you. And there's been a lot of talk about, like, a lot of people being like, we're not going to send our donations to government, we're going to send it to any other NGO. Mm-hmm. And there's been a lot of talk about, like, gift of the givers and how people are choosing to direct their funds that way rather than give it to the government because they just, the level of distrust. Mm. Cyril went on the mic and he was like, um, don't think that you can take any money and make money from this corruption people. Um, <laughs> it's not going to happen. Okay. So he went on the mic, but then <laughs> already people were taking money and stuff. Who, what's this boy's name? His name is, Sihle Zikalala, the KZN premier, mm. he took a water tag, he had it read, it was meant yes. to go to people, and he was like, no, 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 drop it off at my house, please. He thought no one was going to find out. He said, no, 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 um, the tank came to my house because, you know, me and my wife, we do a lot of community work in the area, so the tank wasn't just going to go to us. Ah, uh, guys, the, the kind of lies that he told. It was, it was this, okay, this article from the Daily Maverick, the title is KZN political fallout continues while scandals dog flood relief efforts. Go and read this article. Um, it's a scathing read. Author, Des Erasmus. Des, well done. <laughs> it's, it's beautiful. It's very difficult to read in terms of like how shocking the information is. Do you know what he said? Because people were like, no, we're going to give our money to gift of the givers. He said, how do you know the NGOs are not corrupt? How do you know that, that they are not looting also? You can't generalize. Uh-huh. I was like, yo, what a deflection tactic. I'm sure that there are probably some corrupt NGOs out there, but no one in this country is as corrupt as the government. thing that he is saying he says <laughs> in government you know about covert corruption because they are investigating bodies in ngos there is a lot of corruption we have seen ngos that have received from the private sector millions of money and the only thing they could provide to the citizen is a five kilogram bag of sugar and a woolworths bag full of small items <laughs> this is now the spokesperson his name is lennox mabaso the KZN government spokesperson. I mean, good job. You definitely are doing your job as a spin doctor. But, dude. 
it's just it's just at this point it's not even at this point it's just expect you just expect them to be corrupt Yo. it's so 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 unbelievably bad and then for like for him to come back and be like but the ngos are corrupt Nah, so dude. we so don't give your money to them. Nah, dude. What? <laughs> this article is like <laughs> it's it's dumb, and they also they're calling this tanker gate. <laughs> <laughs> that big green JoJo thing. <laughs> <laughs> I just I don't understand like what is going on. I still don't understand. It's beyond me. It's beyond my comprehension, actually. The third story sort of peels into this, and that it's another corruption story. Oh, <laughs> of course. So this is about um, ESCOM, and so exec- uh, the board member, ESCOM board ne- member, her name is Busisiwe Mavuso, and she had a meeting with Scopa, and Scopa is the Parliament Standing Committee on Public Accounts. So I'm assuming. Again, myself and Jody, we are not parliamentarians. We are not board directors. <laughs> we are not political analysts. We are not government officials. <laughs> I'm just reading the language and inferring from the language. I'm, I'm assuming that they convene this meeting to see, okay, like, is the money going where it's supposed to go? Is there sufficient oversight here? So the CEO of ESCOM is now this guy, Andre De Reiter. Mm. He went... He went on the news this week to be like, guys, because everyone was popping that there's going to be a national blackout. And he was like, guys, it's not going to come to that. Yeah. And I was like, I'm sorry. I don't believe you. I'm really? so sorry. No, I don't believe anything that that man says. He could tell me that there is going to be a nationwide blackout tomorrow. And I would still be like, you're lying. It's going to happen tonight, not tomorrow. I don't believe him. Nothing he says. Mm. So this... Busi Siwe Mavuso, she was in this board meeting and she fired shots. She came in with her AK-47s, with her assault rifles. She came in there, bro. She was like, um, she said that government created the mess that ESCOM is in. Preach. And she said that um, the CEO, Andre Dereta, is not going to be the fall guy for the ANC-led government. And she was basically like, all of the stuff that's happening here is because of the ANC, it's not because of ESCOM. And we're not going to sit here and take your cock. And then, obviously I'm paraphrasing. <laughs> um, but then they were like, oh no, we don't like your attitude, you need to leave. And she was like, okay, fine, then I'll go. <laughs> Who told her she must leave? Um, the scoper people. Yeah. The, the, because they came back at her and they said, that her attitude was not good. Okay, so what she said is, let me read the quotes. This is on News 24. The name of the article is, Update. Government, spelled G-O-V-T, slams Busi Mavuso's criticism of ANC at tense ESCOM meeting. By Lemise Omarji. Omarji. So she says, 
What we will not accept and what we will not agree to in spite of all the challenges we are facing as an organization and all the efforts that have been put in place is to have this board and Andre Dorator as the fall guy for the mess that this organization is currently experiencing, Mavuso said. Because the reality of the matter is that this is not our mess. We have been brought in to clean it up. But we are not going to be the fall guy for the 300 and whatever billion rand of Medapi and Kusile that have still not been completed. She's right. She's absolutely right. Who fa- what's, the, what's the overarching figure here? Who's in charge of all of this? If you listen to last week's episode, I mean the last episode on ESCOM, this woman is 100% correct. And also like... When we when I when I was speaking about the ESCOM situation, I was not reading one source, multiple sources, even from within ESCOM, coming back and being like, the government has caused this issue. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Like, she's not sucking this out of her thumb. Do you know what their response was? Did they gaslight them? Because I feel like they would have gaslighted This guy, his her. name is... I need to find his name here in the story. Because, you know, with news articles, another problem is that they will throw in a name and expect you to remember this person's name. <laughs> The chairperson of the Scopa uh, meeting, his name is Mkuleko Shlengwa. And he goes and he says, she is engaging in theatrics. Yeah, that's so rude. And um, like creating like unprofessional environment. And she says, no, these are not theatrics. These are facts. And then ANC MP Be- Becky Hadebe chipped in to ask her what the facts were. Mavusa replied that this is the mess of the ANC-led government. Mm. Then he said, oh, you're going to be held in contempt of parliament for what you're saying. <gasps> no. For engaging in theatrics. That's literally what he said. And then he said that you're performing for the cameras. And she was like, I'm <gasps> not doing that. That is... Th- that." She says, either he said to her, either behave yourself or excuse yourself from this meeting. And then she left. She left the meeting. You know, they wouldn't have said that if it was a man who said that. I think they would have, actually. Do you think so? Yes, because what, that, what she said, she said she used strong language with him. And mm. she let them know that she was not going to be steamrolled. And yeah. that's one thing that this government doesn't like to hear. They want to hear that anything that you say... Is going to be of value to them. Yeah. And in praise of their efforts. And she was like, You've you've like you fucked up royally. And I want you to know and understand that we've been our hands have been tied by you guys from the beginning. Mm. And they don't like to hear it. Mm. Just like they don't like to hear that they are diverting necessary resources like JoJo tanks. They don't like to hear it. So I'm, uh, She's right. Good for her, actually. Good for her. Siwe Mavuso. Ma'am, we stand by you. Thank you for bringing your guns and shooting them in the face. Um, keep on championing the cause. Mm. Don't let them bring you down. Don't let the haters stop you from doing your thing. That's yes. a mean girl's quote. Don't let the haters stop you from shaking that thing. Doing your thing. Oh, sorry. <laughs> I'm going to use girl. it. I'm proud of her. Mm. But isn't that the most infuriating thing? Mm. Can you imagine how angry she must have felt? Yeah. Because it's 
everything is on her. And when people complain about load shedding, they don't complain about the government. They complain about ESCOM first. Yeah, it's actually the government. You're right. Mm. The government owns ESCOM, lest we forget. It's just so sad. Mm. And and I feel really sorry for them. And I also feel bad for them. I don't know what's happening, going to happen next. But I will tell you one thing. <laughs> The ANC is not going to go quiet into that good night. <laughs> they are going to rage against the dying of the light. And when I mean rage, I mean literally they're going to set fire before they, yeah, before they let go. They will do absolutely anything. It's going to be like a Scar situation in Lion King. When Scar took over the throne and he let everyone starve and he was like, but I'm King Moss. It's okay. Yeah. And, you know, Mufasa... Had to set fire to the entire Pride Rock before, like, there was fire. He had to kill his uncle. It was, it was like messy. That's what's gonna happen. Should I delete that whole hot take? No. I just delete it. I'm sorry for likening ANC to Lion King, but. Yeah, wow. Hot mess. It's just mess after mess. And I'm also gonna talk about a big mess. Okay, well, so that was the the news this week. We still don't have a name for the section. If you do I have... Think we do. What's the name? Uh, still don't have a news. Still don't have a name. Um, DM us your name suggestions. Mm. Um, we would love to hear your... I actually ideas. have a corrections corner. <gasps> Ooh. Yeah. Is this our first corrections corner? Away. Um... I'm changing the name from Corrections Corner to Askis Sidebar. <laughs> Love it. Askis Very Sidebar. Very unbranded. Um, Alright, so in the podcast last week, I said we are the fourth largest coal exporter in the world. Guys, it turns out that these numbers move. And so we're actually not the fourth anymore. I what checked. We? We're now the fifth largest exporter. Okay. But honestly, what do you want me to do? I'm Same not difference. Away. <laughs> it's still top five. Yeah, relax. it's fine. Um, I also lied unintentionally. It's okay. I said the first load shedding was in 1981 because that's the number that I remembered from my research. But in fact, it was 1984. 1981 was another event that happened that caused the 1984 load shedding. Um... And then when I was talking about how you fall into a deep pit of sand and then you get sunk to the bottom. Yeah. I asked my mom and then I googled it. It's not a sinkhole. It's quicksand. Quicksand. Yes. <laughs> um, I have another correction. Everyone's going to be like, your is anything that she says is anything right. Okay. I promise you. This is just a quick update. Um, when I did my research... Um, they said that Kusile was not working and wasn't producing electricity. In fact, three of the units are working, but out of an entire power plant, like the number three guys, it's not that much. Um, Med Api had an explosion literally last week or the week before, mm. and they needed to spend money to repair that unit. And actually, that explosion is the reason for this. One of the reasons for this this period of load shedding. And um, they had to spend about 2.5 billion rand to fix it. Great. Great. 
and made up he only finished the construction last year huh and it's already broke <laughs> yes what is it like not it's not even a year old and it broke yeah uh and in the news this week i heard the name arnot power station and i also heard the name of um majuba that big expensive one mm. i don't understand i thought the year old that it broke who built it <laughs> The dwarves in Snow White and the Seven Dwarves is Your the only guys. explanation. You know that if you build something correctly, it's going to last longer until you need to fix it. Did right? you know? Are you aware? Like, surely this is not rocket science. <laughs> yes. I'm not an engineer. <laughs> and I know this. That's so upsetting. <laughs> no, it is. Um, okay, so that's the ASCII sidebar. Um, now we're going to move on to the big story for the week, which we are going to call. We're just going to call it by its name. <laughs> the big issue. No, that's no. a magazine. What are you going to call it? Oh, the segment. Mm. No, nothing. <laughs> we're gonna, now we move on to nothing. <laughs> okay, so... This week, we are discussing, or not discussing, I'm telling you the story of the July riots of 2021. And I remember seeing this happen and watching it unfold, and I just remember thinking, what the fuck is going on? Wild, wild, wild. Mm-hmm. I wasn't here. I remember opening my phone one day and someone being like, dude this country is going through the most right now i think it was you or my sister told me about it and then i started seeing what was happening i was like my country is burning yeah yeah it was very hectic so this is going to be done in two parts um just because there's so much information and so much to discuss part one is just me setting the context and Basically, just explaining the timeline of events of that period. Um, And the next episode will become a little bit more in-depth. And then the responses and what happened afterwards. Okay, so sources for this episode are... Daily Maverick. South Africa is the most unequal country. Mm. Yes, bro. By Ed Stoddard. I'm so sorry. In Daily Maverick. <laughs> um, the July 2021 protests and social political unrest in South Africa by Dr. Clayton Wumbunu on the Accord website. Accord is like a think tank. AKZN, I think. Lit. Um, SABC News timeline, the July unrest that, le- that left the country crippled. I didn't put the author there. I will put it in the show notes. Shame. Unrest 20... Sorry. Unrest July 2021. Grim... Grim details. <laughs> Green details. Grim details emerge of deaths in Phoenix. Oh. This was in Ground Up. I love, by the way. Away. They are doing the Lord's work, yeah, actually. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then... Report into the expert panel into the July 2021 civil unrest, which I will mention again in the story. Okay. Before I begin, 
before I begin, I'm not being very articulate. <laughs> I just want to say a couple of things. The July unrest, um, like everything else in this country, is super complicated. There are many moving parts. There are many events that led up to it. Or there were like the social conditions that led up to it have been in place for 20 years. Since democracy started. Yeah. Um, and honestly, I'm surprised that this level of unrest didn't happen years ago. It really it was. It was a matter of time. That's what it was. It was going to happen at some point. It was inevitable. And you have to keep in mind that South Africa is a dysfunctional and fragile state. I'm surprised that it ended. To be quite honest with you, mm. I thought that like that was the end of the country. I was like, oh, okay, bye. No, no, no. But, it, that's, but the reason why it wasn't the end was because... Well, I think there are many reasons, but it was only in two provinces. Oh. Im- imagine it two out of the nine. But I will speak about this, but if it was... If it spread across the country... Like, no one in the free state was fussed about it. No one. It was just in two provinces. But two really big and important provinces. Mm. But anyway. Um... So before I explain the timeline of events, I think it's really important to remind ourselves and the listeners of the context of South Africa, because you and I live very, very comfortable lives. And even though we complain a lot in comparison to what South Africa actually is, we are like in the top half, not even the top half, we're more in the like top 30. And it's not as if we earn a lot of money. Yeah. Um, so... I'm going to list seven points or seven things that set, the, that set the context for South Africa, which set the context for the July unrest. Number one, South Africa is the most unequal country on earth. We are number one on the list. What does that mean? The gap between the rich and the poor is like astounding. The mm-hmm. income disparity, the wealth isn't is unequally distributed while it's in small sections of the population. Um, and this rating of us being the most unequal country on earth, this was done by the World Bank. And this was released last month, this rating. Yeah. In March. It's, last month. It's actually like an incredibly uncomfortable way to live your life. Yes. I, to be honest with you, I, I don't know how, I think, no, let me rather say nothing. Okay. Continue. And of course, this inequality is along racial divides, which doesn't help. Yes. Have you ever been to a restaurant and there's only white people sitting at the restaurant and then all of the service people are black? Yeah, every time. Every time. It's so uncomfortable. Secondly, more than... Sorry, 55% of South Africans live in poverty. How many? 55%. That's more than half of the population. Like, more than half of us. And then also the unemployment rate is, like, more... Just relax. Okay. (laughs) This is also, obviously, along racial lines. That's more than half of our population. It's 13 million people who live in poverty. And this is according to the United Nations Human Development Report of 2020. We also have the highest rate of unemployment. And it reached its peak a few months back. And this is 
also along racial lines and is highest among the youth. And it's even more problematic when you think about the majority of South Africa, of South Africa's population are youth. Is youths or youths? Um, so in South Africa, youths, the youth, <laughs> are people who between the age of eighteen and thirty-five. Did you know the average age of a South African is twenty-seven years old? A very young country. Yeah, and we are half of us are unemployed. So what's gonna happen when like we all fifty? I don't know. It's bad. So. So that's the socioeconomic situation. Then we have exceptionally high rates of crime and violence. We are a country that is largely defined by its violent history and this has resulted in some call a culture of violence. Next, we are a dysfunctional... Um, the fourth point is that we, of course, have a super high rate of crime and violence. We are a country that is largely defined by its violent history. And as a result, a lot of people say that South Africa has a culture of violence. I think that's true. Yeah, it is true. I've noticed that we are violent people. And I I do think it's informed by our history. Mm -hmm. And it's also informed by the economic situation that forces you to become violent, to assert yourself and to assert people. Yeah. Maybe I should do an episode on that one day. Yes. Um, and then the fifth thing is we have a dysfunctional state, bad governance, weak state institutions, state capture. So, and the, one of the reasons for our bad governance and the weak state institutions, in addition to the state capture, is that the factions that exist within the ANC... And the, these factions have become as like an actual, a very, very, very serious source of instability in this country. It's so interesting because I've never understood the factions within the party because in my, in your mind, you think of a ruling party and you're like, okay, so everyone gets along worse. Uh-uh. But because this party has been around for so long, the factions can develop and grow. Yeah. Am I right? Yeah. But so it's a pro Zuma and a pro Ramaphosa faction. At the moment. Yeah. But, and then before that, it was pro Zuma and pro whoever else was in power. I don't know. I don't know what happened before this. But there's always been a faction of some sort. Like, it's oh. never been. I remember rumors of like it being along like traditional lines and like who should be who should be the successor of the party and that being a source of factionalism yeah that's also one of the sources like but like right now it's a a pro zuma and a pro ramaphosa faction and um yeah so there's been a report or a paper or something like that which basically says the inst- the factions within the ac is the number one reason for instability and it will continue to become worse how? What do you mean? How can the instability Because affect- they can't agree on anything. So they can't govern. Oh. Mm. And then, of course, we have inconsistent electricity. <laughs> so this is the context of South Africa. Which just create the conditions for violence and unrest. I just want to say on the electricity thing, I know it's become a recent obsession of mine. 
But I read on Twitter, this girl posted that the situation in Joburg is so much worse than than anywhere else. Yeah. And the people in Joburg have been without electricity for days, Jody, Days mm. on end. And it's also because of corruption. Yeah. Within the city. So sometimes at work we have meetings with the people in Joburg. And then they'll just be like, yeah, we haven't had electricity today. Or yesterday, the day before, but in Cape Town, we've had electricity the entire time. It's sure. very strange. Anyway, so in the academic circles and in my line of work, we speak about the triple burden of South Africa, the triple burden that faces South Africa. And this is the burden of poverty, unemployment, and inequality, which all results in a weak economy, weak state, people can't get food, people don't have jobs, and it's all just like constantly... Burden of- Inequality, unemployment, and poverty. Inequality, unemployment, and... Poverty. Poverty. But aren't those all the same thing? No. Inequality? We can have an... No. Oh, okay, I got it. So, like, Sweden is 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 a very equal country, but there will also be unemployed people Mm. here and there. Mm. Like, like, yeah. Um... So because of the this list that I just read out, this is why I say that I'm surprised this, this didn't happen ages ago, this kind of unrest. And I'm surprised that it petered out. Yeah, but it will eventually like burn out because people it's difficult to maintain that level for a long time. I mean, we do have our own little embers, like with Tudula, Operation mm. Tudula, but... But to sustain it with that many people... At that high energy for a long time is really hard. You would probably need... eventually like, okay, I have to go home and look after my child. <laughs> but also, it's also a matter of having one person at the fore. I'm not giving anyone ideas here. But if you were to overthrow a government at large, you would need a charismatic leader first. Yeah. And that's I like, I don't think, I don't know who the figurehead was. There wasn't, that's the thing, there wasn't a figurehead. Mm. So... That's one of the things. So anyway, um, so consider this context, but then add COVID. Yeah. So then add like the catastrophic implications of COVID to this already bad situation. People locked up, um, people being unable to leave their houses. But also people lost jobs. The economy already weakened mm. because of COVID. Mm. You know, and already like situation where people were unemployed and the economy was already weak before COVID even started. Mm. Okay. So that's the context of our lovely South Africa. Our that was marriage. incredible context sitting. Well done. <laughs> and you told me a lot of things that I didn't know. So let's begin with some quick facts. Jesus Christ. The July riots or the July unrest of 2021 has been called the biggest social unrest in the history of democratic South Africa. <gasps> yeah, dude. Not even fees must fall? No. Be- okay. So, riots or unrest of this level has last been seen since about that. Sure. It has been called an attempted insurrection, orchestrated and sabotaging of critical infrastructure and the economy. Hello. Um... Yes. What is an insurrection? Because it sounds like a resurrection, but I don't know what that is. No, it's like... It's attempting to overthrow the government. Yeah. Okay. Mm. 
So the Andres started on the 8th of July, 2021, to about the 17th and 18th of July. So yeah. it's difficult to... It's what the, it's a week. Or a week and a day, depending which day you want to count as the last day. So, yeah, sources differ on the precise day that it ended, but that's when it, like, started to, like, subside. The unrest resulted in the loss of 354 lives. <gasps> that's so many people! Oh, my God! 354 people died because of this. My God! That is a huge death toll. Yeah! And do we know, like, who they were? Yeah. Like, I mean, like, was it mostly civilians? Yes. Civilian deaths? Yes, yes, yes. Sure. It was all civilian deaths. No police people? No Don't military think people? So. Don't think so. Yo, that's really, really sad. Yeah. It's... But it was civilians killing civilians. <gasps> or not killing, but, like, I'll get... I come to Oh, my it. I God. To it. I come okay, to it. I just want to, like, just also say I wasn't here when it happened. And not that that's an excuse, but also... From what I was seeing from consuming Twitter at the time, I would see lots of funny videos. Like, South Africans love to make jokes about serious things. It's the only way we deal. Yeah. And so, the things that I would see on the news, is like, I wasn't seeing people bludgeoning other people to death. I was seeing videos of, like, a guy going to a shop. Did you see that video of him trying to fit this huge TV in the boot of his car and then he can't fit it in so he just decides not to close the boot and he just drives off with this man. Mm. Like, it was funny stuff like that. Yeah, yeah. So hearing this is like, whoa. Oh, yeah, yeah. It was like, it was a harder. It says a lot about like what we as Africans choose to focus on. But we also choose to focus on those things because... A trauma response. Yeah, yeah. So, the loss of life. This week and a day resulted in 50 billion rand being wiped off the economy. Yo. Cheapers. That's so much money. Yo, we love to flush money down the drain. No, dude. Whoa. What do you... But this is not the government that did this. This is civilians and the looters as a result of unrest. Okay. Lost this. That was me shooting from the hip. I apologize. The unrest, as we know, it started in KZN and it progressed to Gauteng. Both of these provinces together are responsible for more than half of South Africa's GDP. Really? Mm. And then I think it's the Western Cape. Wow. So KZN and Gauteng is very, very important. Pro- okay. All the provinces are important. <laughs> but in terms of, you know, economy and money coming in 50% of South Africa's GDP which is why 50 billion was gone in a week yo (laughs) so this unrest was not spontaneous because a lot of the time when we see protests or unrest in South Africa it's service delivery service delivery protests Mm. Um, but this wasn't service delivery protests Mm -mm. this was not like the working class rising up and taking arms. This was not that. It was a targeted, orchestrated attack to undermine Ramaphosa and the pro-Ramaphosa faction within the ANC. What? Yeah. It was coordinated economic sabotage that attempted to undermine the economy and critical, 
critical infrastructure in KZN and Gauteng. Basically undermined democracy. Just, that's the... No, this was planned and coordinated. I was so like... shook. What? No, dude, this was like... I knew it was planned, but I didn't know, like, the target was literally, let's get Cyril off the throne. And his people. So, if this... If the aim was to uh, undermine the pro-drama was a faction within the ANC, then who organised it? I'm not going to say it. No, you can say it because it is. Is it? Yes. Zooms. And he's... Money. Zoomsical. <laughs> Jesus. Um, this is a quote by President Ramaphosa when he made a statement on the 16th of July in 2020. He said that the riots were nothing less than a deliberate, coordinated and well-planned attack on our democracy intended to cripple the economy, cause social instability, and severely weaken or even dislodge the democratic state. Okay, follow-up question. Number one, obviously there's evidence for him to make the statement. Mm. So if there's evidence, the second question is, why is he not rotting in a prison? Who? Zooms! And, like, this, Jody, the mountain... Of charges against this man. And then he has the audacity to be like, I'm too sick to come to court. I don't understand why we can circumnavigate so many systems. But we can't just put one man in jail. We can't do that. I don't, I don't know the answer. Honestly, if ever we needed to... If ever we needed a scapegoat for our problems. If ever we needed to send someone into the desert to, as a cleansing... I don't even know if I need to cut this because that is like such a strong comment to make. But do I need to cut that statement? No, it's free. We live in a democracy. You can say stuff. Can I say stuff like that? People say much worse things. But if ever we needed a win (laughs) and an easy win, like, why are you allowed to walk around? Why are you allowed to go to Mr. Price? And uh, wear Rolexes and nice suits. Why are you still allowed to do that? I don't understand. <laughs> okay. Sorry. Breathe. Back to you. Breathe. Can I just say one thing? <sighs> yeah. That's how I feel every day of my life. Anyway. <laughs> so that was all just a quick... That was a quick overview. So let's begin the timeline of events. For several months leading up to July 2021, there had been a constant back and forth between the Zonda Commission and former President Jacob Zuma. For months, the Commission of Inquiry into alleged, uh, sorry, allegations of state capture. I hate the fact that we have to say that because... Yeah. But let's just say it because we also don't want to get... Although I'm, for what I just said... I may or might I might just bleep it out because I don't want to get sued. I don't yes. have money. That also. So for months, the Commission of Inquiry into allegations of state capture has been trying to get Zuma to testify. You know this. Yeah, and he was like, "No, I'm sick." And he just didn't pitch now. Yes. Everyone testified. They called a million different witnesses, and they all came because you have to go. Even President Ramaphosa was there to testify at the yes. commission. Yes. So even President Ramaphosa was there to testify, but Zuma just decided not to go. 
They gave him multiple choices, chances to allow him to come to the commission. Eventually, the flippin' con court, constitutional court, gave him an order to, to appear in front of the commission. The co- it went all the way to the constitutional court. Mm. Imagine defying the constitutional court. Did he? Yes, he didn't go. Imagine defying the Concord. Are you nuts, dude? So he just, he, that's what he did. He didn't go. The Concord, the Constitutional Court ordered him. They summoned him. And he didn't go. That's why he was arrested. So he was arrested for failing to pitch at the commission. He was in contempt of court, basically. That's why he was arrested and, and imprisoned. So he was sentenced to 15 months. I'm so sorry. I need a moment to take in how little milligrams of fucks that he gives. It's incredible. I wish I had that little fucks to give. Like nothing affects him. Everything is just... You know, I was speaking to a high schooler the other day and he told me he didn't go to school because he didn't feel well. Like he just didn't feel emotionally up to it. And I was like, wow. And that had me shook. Like, you didn't want to go to school, so you just didn't go. Imagine! The Constitutional Court is like, you need to appear in court and answer for your crimes. And he's like, yeah, not even that, no. Mm-mm. Exactly. Like, he really thinks he's untouchable. Anyway. So, you were sentenced to 15 months in, months in prison for contempt of court. So, he, Zuma could either hand himself over or by a certain date and if he didn't hand himself over by that date he would be arrested i wonder what kind of person he is like maybe he double parks every single time he drives a car mm. so during this time like the days leading up to when he would either have to be whether he, he either handed himself over or be arrested a whole lot of pro zuma supporters headed to nkandla to protect him from being arrested and dude i don't know if you know this but Ooh. I don't know if you know this, but Zuma has a lot of supporters. Yes, I know. A lot, a lot, a lot. I know. It's a bunch of... It's... I don't understand it. (laughs) It's like, it's incomprehensible. So on the 7th of July, 2022, Jacob Zuma handed himself over to the police. I remember this. I remember this. And... It is pretty much accepted that this is what triggered the unrest of July 2021. So, number one, man fails to appear in court. (laughs) The follow-up, if you don't appear in any court, is there's a warrant issued for your arrest. That's how things work. So, there was justice working its way out in practical terms and people were like no they we will not allow justice to be seen Mm. this is michelle this is the beginning so he went and handed himself over to begin his 15 month sentence and he spent a few days in jail but what happened to him during, the, what happened to him, after those few days and upon his eventual release, I don't focus on because. It I don't even want to talk about him. Okay. 
The unrest started on the 9th of July when a heavily armed and masked gang hijacked trucks on the N3 in KZN. Armed? Yeah. With guns? Yeah. A gang? Yeah. Maybe not like... When you say gang, you mean a group of people? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Who were working together, like in uniform. They were all working towards the same aim. Not like... Don't think gang like Western Cape... Cape Flats gang. So they hijacked a bunch of trucks on the N3 in KZN. 25 trucks and cars were set alight and the national road was blocked. The N3. Now just... Before you say anything, just listen to this paragraph. Now, blocking the N3... Imagine someone... It's like if someone blocks the N1. Yes. It's chaos. Yes! So, they blocked the N3 and this was an orchestrated move because the N3 is a national road that connects Kaiser into Gauteng. Just listen, just listen. It links Durban to Joburg. And what is in Durban? A huge... Huge port. Oh. The biggest port in Southern Africa. Oh. Durban is very important. Oh. Yeah, it's very, very important. Wow. Um, and at this port, goods are imported and exported. And they are not only stuff that are imported and exported for South Africa, but the things that arrive at this port goes to our neighboring countries also Mm. so things like goods go in and out and the n3 is then an important road for all important road for all this cargo which then takes it across south africa but also to landlocked countries like zimbabwe zambia and even all the way to drc wow sure so this meant that the export couldn't get to king shaka international airport in durban also Wow. So major supply lines were disrupted. My God. Because of the N3. And you reckon that they absolutely knew that? 100%. Because usually when we see service delivery protests, it's just like in the community. Mm. Maybe they will burn ties on the N2 and it will be blocked for like the morning and people can't get to work. But also that they were armed. But it's not like, this is another level. It was super strategic. My God. So, this didn't just affect South Africa. This affected our neighboring countries also. Because they also couldn't get their things and their money and their foods and all this and all this. Uh. So, blocking the N3 was very, like, smart and strategic. Because it's a mate. And this is, like, a term that is said in a lot of articles. The entry is a major economic artery. Oh. Because think of all the trucks, ca- trucks carrying all that stuff. Mm. Chaos. Also, the trucking industry is very, very, very important for this country. Yes. Super important. So, with that's how it started. And within 24 hours, the violence had spread like wildfire across KZN. Less than 24 hours after that, it was in Gauteng. Shops, businesses, malls were looted, emptied and destroyed. There was widespread violence. Warehouses. I saw this picture like a warehouse Mm -hmm. burned down. Sure. 
warehouses of major retail retailers and factories were torched and destroyed. People were trapped under the rubble. Yeah. Oh my gosh. So this is the numbers. 161 malls <gasps> looted. I didn't even know we had that many malls. Michelle, that's just in... And it's not like the... And it's not the whole entire area surface of KZN. It's, mm. it's, it's Durban, it's here and there and there. It's not the whole boundary of Houting. Mm. It's, you know what I mean? Yeah. And there's 161 malls gone. Sure. <laughs> 11 warehouses. Sure. Warehouses are so flippin' big, dude. Imagine the amount of money in stock that is sitting in the warehouse. I know. Eight factories. And of course, this is Africa. 161 bottle stores. <laughs> of course. <laughs> It's not funny, but it is. It's not funny, but it is. <laughs> it is estimated 40,000 businesses were affected. 50,000 informal traders were affected. People lost their livelihoods. Mm. There was no food to buy. You couldn't go to the shop and buy bread. Yeah. There was no food to eat. There's no petrol. You couldn't go to the shops. There's nothing on the stand. There was nothing in the shops. Everything, everything was gone. You can see on the pictures. Thousands of people were injured. People stole food, clothes, electronics, alcohol, whatever was in the shops they just took. There were arson attacks. Supply lines were interrupted. The banks had to close their branches. Like, complete, complete chaos. Most of the deaths happened in KZN. And most of them are thought to be through stampedes. Or killed in fights over goods. Now, Michelle, I must just say, I have a serious, serious fear of stampedes. Like, I, I don't... I'm so scared of stampedes, dude. Yeah, dude. Yeah. Amnesty International and other human rights organizations are investigating the deaths. <sighs> I wonder if they're going to get anything done. I hate stampedes so much. Yeah. I don't even like going to concerts because I think a stampede is going to break out. Really? Yes. Is that an irrational fear? Mm, No, no. because it has happened before at concerts. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. And if there's any place where a stampede is likely to occur, (laughs) it's in this country. (laughs) And of course, like, the, the thing about this that is so bad is that the unrest affected sorry mostly affected the poor and marginalized people so people couldn't get access to health and the health care and they couldn't receive the government grants because the shops and stuff were destroyed oh, and no one could go to work mm. it also delayed the COVID 19 vaccine rollout mm. yes because it was july last year where they started with the vaccine rollout mm. <laughs> it is very distressing yeah and like all the clicks and discams gone shit and all the pharmacies hospitals clinics health supplies burnt down Ugh. it's bad that is bad and also just because of the violence like virus spreading yeah and then people are also getting injured yeah Oh. <laughs> so it was a public health crisis. I can you imagine? So, this is a quote 
The South African Department of Health reported that 25,000 vaccine doses were lost during protest action. Sure. Through acts of looting and arson. The targeting of vaccinating 300,000 people per day was impeded at the time when the government sought to vaccinate 67% of the population by the end of 2021. The closure of over 90 pharmacies in KZN and Gauteng affected the collection of essential medicines for people living with chronic illnesses. So it just had this massive knock-on effect. In terms of roads and transportation, it became a logistical nightmare for freight Freight. and transportation. So I mentioned already that the supply lines were disrupted and other services were also stopped. The trains weren't running. Because it was just dangerous. Of course. The South African Petroleum Refineries, oil refinery, which they suspended services. And these... This refinery accounts for 35% of South Africans' fuel supply. <gasps> they were like, yeah, no, we can't. Yo, that's hectic. What a time. Can you imagine, like, the logistical nightmare? Yeah. <laughs> how? Like, how? But how is he not in jail? Local radio stations were looted and destroyed. <gasps> That's so sad. So people didn't have access to news and information. Yeah. And you have to remember that, even though I refuse to listen to the radio, a very, very large proportion of the African population continues to rely on the radio. Me too. Mm. When I'm in listen the car, to ca- I need to, to Cape <laughs> I listen to Cape Talk. Yeah, and like people in rural areas rely on the radio for yes. information. You know, as much as like amazing as like Google Maps are and stuff like that, if you in the car and you need to know why is the traffic so slow right now, it's much faster to listen to the radio and find yeah. out. Yeah. It and like when I used to drive to work I used to listen to the traffic reports. It really is like mm. very important. The radio continues to be an essential service. It's essential, it's a must. So telecommunication infrastructure destroyed. Communications Authority of South Africa reported that 113 networks had been vandalized, which disrupted network services and community radio stations. Imagine calling for help, mm. calling the ambulance at this time because someone fought with you over your items. And of course, throughout this entire series of events, social media was unlike never before. <laughs> Popping, wilding. So, and a lot of the violence was instigated using social media, and that's how the, and that's how people were mobilized. Tell me more about that. Okay, I was gonna touch on it next episode. Oh, never mind then. Um, but basically, it was found that the instigators of the violence were using Twitter accounts, <gasps> but like you know that one where. You don't know the person's name and who it is, but they have like 50, 50k followers, mm. 500k followers. Mm. They instigated. Wow. So when you look at the violence and the looting and the rioting and just the chaos, it's helpful to like, when you see all these thousands and thousands of people running around the streets, you don't know who they are, but it's really helpful to think about them into uh, as three separate groups so one group number one these are the people who planned and orchestrated the unrest it's the instigators Mm. 
Number two, it's the people who are opportunistic, jump on the bad wagon. They might bring like criminal elements, violent elements into the thing. And number three, it's the people who are poor and hungry and are trying to survive in this country where where 50% of our population lives in poverty. And when you look at the pictures of like the looters, there were people who were carrying like maize meal, rice, oil, like food, like basic food stuff. And then there were people who were stealing TVs. So it's like, there's a difference. And it's, it's not, it's not, I'm not saying it's right, but it's different. But it's a marker. It's also a, a mark of the stock inequality of, yeah. like, the priorities of some people when presented with a, an opportunity. What is of value to you? So, and they were, like, running off with babes, things for babies, like, mm. nappies. So it's like, it's not, a, I'm not saying it's right, but there are different categories within what you just see as a big mob of people mm. and it's really helpful to think about it in that way um, and this is a quote therefore although the July 2021 protests may have been politically motivated they were fueled by deep-rooted and acute socio-economic challenges facing the poor hungry and frustrated citizens mostly in townships mm. where's that quote from the quote is from the article written by the think tank titled oh. The 2021 July protest and social economical unrest in South Africa. <sighs> on the 12th of July, President Ramaphosa addressed the nation on the violence and the unrest. <laughs> Can I just say? What? The amount of times this president has Shame. had to address the nation. Honestly, unparalleled. Yeah. Every two minutes, he's like, guys. Family team. <laughs> But that's what it was called, Michelle. Family meeting. Yes. Was it really? You know, like, okay, I know you wouldn't hear for this, but when, like, every month or every three weeks, when it was, like, the height of lockdown, it was a family meeting. <laughs> Uncle Cyril was like, guys, yes. situation. Like, my mother used to WhatsApp us on the, on the family WhatsApp group, guys, family meeting tonight at eight. And we knew that was Cyril addressing us. Shame. But he be- he's like, he became a beloved figure. He did. Do you know, I'm not, I know he's just done bad things, but like, it cannot, it's not easy. No, it can't be easy it's, what he's doing. And no. he had to make a choice. I yeah. mean, I saw on the Daily Maverick that like him saying that Jacob Zuma was gravely ill was just to get the supporters off his back. Yeah, like, like, I don't think it's, why, I don't know why anyone would want to be a president. It's the most stressful job. Why would you want to do that? Of this country? Ever. No, anywhere. It's the worst job. Why would you want to be the top person and try to manage and govern 50 million people? It doesn't make sense. You couldn't pay me enough. Hmm. No. And then someone has a knife in your back the whole time. Yeah. And then half your country is dying from COVID. No. Mm-mm. Anyway. So he addressed the nation in the family meeting and he obviously like said said it's like totally unacceptable, like this is undermining democracy, la 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 la. But in this address he like he said this is a deliberate sabotage. Like he said it. And an attempted insurrection. He said it. And I was like, yo. 
Did he? Yeah. And he did he point fingers at who it was, or was he more no. like, follow my eyes, but don't look now? Yeah, like we're investigating, we're looking into it, la la la. But la, he obviously knew. You know, he knew, but he couldn't say that. Yo. So during this time, the office of the president presidency held daily press conferences to update the media i watched every single one of them we all did at work and we spoke about it on the whatsapp group so during this time he also appointed an expert panel to assess the unrest its causes the responses and the government's shortcomings and this report has been out for a while and you can read it it's actually really good and i will speak more about this report in the next episode where they expose everyone as usual so, it's chaos everywhere, but then there's a specific spree of violence in the town of Phoenix, which is close to Durban. Oh. I don't know if it's like a suburb of Durban or like a bit outside of Durban, but like, it just says it's a town. Me, being a person who only ever watches TV from America, thought you were like Phoenix, Arizona. <laughs> Mm-mm. So unpatriotic. I like that name. Phoenix. Mm. As a girl's name. A boy's name. No, a person's name. A name of anything. Listen. I think it's a really nice name. I love a phoenix. I love the bird. Harry Potter. Still I rise. <laughs> From the ashes. Okay. So there was a specific incident. In Phoenix. A specific series of events in Phoenix. While this is also all going on, <laughs> which happened between 12th and 15th July, which has since become known as the Phoenix Massacre. <gasps> Have you not heard about this? My God. Now, my heart is beating really fast. No, dude. It's, it's just, It honestly feels like I'm watching a movie. Yeah. Like, this cannot be real life. It sounds like fiction. It's, re- it's a giving. It's giving. It's reminding me of Ned Stark when yes. he was in jail and then the Starks were like, horse, we're going to go on the rampage now and start an insurrection. And then there's it, the War of the Five Kings. It's giving that energy. So in Phoenix, it's a bit difficult to pin down the exact details of events because it's just chaos. It's chaos. So it's difficult to know where things start and where things end because it's just... Madness. Yeah. In the media and popular discourse, the events that took place in Phoenix are said to be race-based. Okay. It gets progressively worse and worse with every sentence. <laughs> okay. Now, the majority of the population of Phoenix uh, is Indian. But then there's also a township. What does that mean? An informal settlement where mostly black people said. Okay. So there were tensions going on between the residents of Phoenix and the loot people of Phoenix that were also looting. Some of the residents, who were mostly Indian people, took up arms to protect their property and to try to stop the looting. So they became vigilantes, right? Mm. So what happened resulted in the death of 36 people, just in Phoenix alone. Two people were trigger warning (laughs) two people were burnt to death one was stabbed one was run over by a vehicle two people died from injuries sustained from being assaulted and 30 other people were shot dead so a total of 36 people 
Hence why it's known as the Phoenix Massacre. And it was casualties on both sides. I'm not sure. I don't know. Sure. Now, it must be said that the residents of Phoenix took up arms because they felt like there was no police presence. Right? I saw a video... During this time, I saw a video on Twitter of two young white guys. Like, early 20s, walking around with guns. Like, in the street, Michelle. Carrying guns. Just like this. Where? What do you mean where? Oh, like you don't know where they were, but you know they were somewhere in South Africa. No, in Phoenix. Oh, in Phoenix. Yeah. (sighs) And one of the articles that I read, there's like a still image from videos. And one of the still image of this person in Phoenix, you can see him holding an axe. He's walking down the street with an axe in his hand. Okay. An axe. Yeah. Once again... Police Minister. <laughs> so, Police Minister uh, Becky Kele gives an account of what happened in Phoenix. I'm going to read this entire quote because it just, it's a good explanation of what happens. The problem started on 12 July when some people operating checkpoints set up by community members turned into vigilantism and started racially profiling people, preventing them from entering the suburb. <gasps> Yeah, this video, you can see it on the videos. This amounted to unlawful discrimination and restriction of movement for mainly African people. According to re- police reports, a vehicle, in brackets, a bucky, love that. <laughs> a bucky with no registration plates, carrying looted items, was stopped and searched at one of the checkpoints. Four male people, that four guys in the bucky, started firing shots at community members and the community members also shot back. The four suspects fled into the bushes. The shootout resulted in four African males sustaining gunshot wound and one of them died on the scene. Their vehicle was set alight. This incident, we believe, sparked other incidents of stoning and burning of vehicles and further violence, including shooting, stabbings and assaults." End quote. 22 people have since been arrested and more details are coming into light as there is currently a Human Rights Commission underway. So there's a Human Rights Commission going on and Ramaphosa went and spoke to it, spoke, witnesses have gone. So trying to establish the events of Phoenix but also the commission is just for like the entire unrest situation. So now at this point, (laughs) I think it's very important to speak about vigilantism. So that is when people feel like it's morally justified to enforce the law in the absence of the police or state. And this happens all over the world. But let me just say that vigilantism and mob justice is wrong and it doesn't work. It's counterproductive. So it's, but it's like really hard to accept that it's wrong and hard, especially when you can really understand the motivation underpinning acts of vigilantism because it re- like i can understand they feel righteous in what they are doing and especially like in a place like south africa where it's a weak state but in the long run it actually does more harm than good so first of all let's say there's a vigilante act where 
community people, people in the community go out and go kill someone. And this someone committed murder, right? Mm. Um, and so vigilantes, vigilantes, in doing their acts of vigilantism, they also break the law. Mm-hmm. And they also commit crimes while trying to maintain their sense of moral order. Mm-hmm. So it's an eye for an eye thing. Mm-hmm. Which is actually doesn't play out well. And if you think about the context of South Africa that's so violent and high crime, how and we are tra- we are trying to solve the problem of violence. How can we make South Africa a safer place if we are committing murder because someone else committed murder? Let me read my notes because I wrote it down better. <laughs> um, so let's say continue with the example of a vigilante group going and killing a murderer, right? How does that solve the problem of violence? And how does killing that guy make South Africa safer and more peaceful? Because now instead of having one murderer... But they are murderers because they killed the murderer. Yeah, that's my point. So instead of dispensing with one murderer, you've now created ten more murderers. Mm. Okay. Because ultimately, like, we all want to have a safer and more peaceful non-violent South Africa... But vigilantism doesn't support that. What's the what's like the line that you draw between vigilantism and um for example um I don't even know what the word is like. What is like what's the difference between like a group of people who are vigilantes and a group of people who are overthrowing a government? <laughs> Are they the same group? No. Mm-mm. I think like... Because the people who are overthrowing the government aren't infor- trying to enforce the law. Okay. They're trying to overthrow like the system, trying to overthrow institutions. Which is different to... And you can overthrow the government and try to create change institutionally without breaking the law okay they will probably break the law but I think the difference in in the overthrowing of an entire systemic institution versus exacting your own form of justice on one or a small group of people Yeah. yeah okay cool and if someone commits a crime whether it's like murder or robbery or whatever crime they commit they are despite being a, a, a an offender they are still entitled to the due process of the law. So they might end up going to jail mm. for murder or robbery, but they are still entitled to a free and fair trial. Mm. And they've committed crimes, but they still have human rights that have to be maintained. Mm. So vigilantism, vigilantism doesn't allow this, and it undermines basic rights mm. also. And that's why it's just... it, But it's also it's difficult to... Because, like, you can understand the thought processes underpinning mob justice and all of that and all of that. But, actually, in a democratic space. It's amazing how quickly the sense of law and order deteriorated in Phoenix. Yeah. And and also how quickly it 
reverted into racial race based profiling mm. like how quickly that happened within the space of like less than a week mm. that's scary yeah it's super it's super super scary and these are like otherwise you know if it wasn't the context of the riots and the looting these are communities that live side by side they live side, side by, by side. side and then i'm sure there's like underlying racial things that happen like undercover but for the most part neighbors yeah this was your neighbor this is the guy where you buy your milk from doesn't make sense incredible so i just thought that was important to mention about vigilantism so that's actually where i wanted to stop um and i just want to repeat that this was inevitable this kind of unrest it was going to happen at some point and we're likely to see it again absolutely if things don't change on like a fundamentally structural level because south africa is at a boiling point yeah just think of like all the things that i mentioned at the beginning the inequality blah, 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 blah. that creates like the perfect fertile conditions for unrest and violence people are angry people are hungry people are economically disenfranchised people don't have food to eat people can't access healthcare people are so angry and frustrated and all other avenues of uh seeking justice justice or seeking change has been taken away yeah so the only other option is yeah and regular due process is 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 like is inefficient and laborious in this country like exactly. if you have if you want to lodge a complaint it goes unheard yeah and the only other way for you to seek recourse is through the courts which is expensive and out of reach for most people mm. but what do people respond to they respond to violence yeah i'm surprised that there hasn't been some sort of charismatic leadership coming out of this because it's so easy i mean I was watching the TV show How to Become a Tyrant on Netflix and almost all of them, actually, I take it back, all of them, the country is in shambles, it's in a very, very low state and all that needs to happen is one person needs to come, leverage all of that Mm. and you're able to get away with literally anything. You can seize control of a country like that. It's so easy. And like that is happening in history like over and over and over, over and over and, and over. over and over again. And we look at the context that you said at the beginning. What we are dealing with is a very, very dangerous yeah. situation. And we need to all be treading lightly. Mm. Your savings account, what's in it? I'm not going to say that because it's embarrassing. No, I mean like <laughs> what like take stock. Make sure that you are prepared. <laughs> oh, y'all. Me, me telling people to save money, not even knowing that it's going to even matter. <laughs> so, yeah, we're at the boiling point and unless like drastic policy, structural government, governance changes are made, it'll happen again. And that's the end. <laughs> On that cliffhanger. So next episode, I will mostly speak about the expert panel report that was released and the findings that they found. They interviewed a whole lot of people. They speak about 
how the police responded. Mm. And also, one thing that I haven't mentioned, but that I will talk about is, we have a secret, secret service, but we have like, there's an intelligence agency, and it's most their job to find out these things are going to happen. So why didn't they know this was going to happen, if they have got their little eyes and ears everywhere? The state security agency is a, repo- is a government department, like the... What are they called? The state security agency. Oh, ew! State Security Agency, SSA. Mm, I thought they would have a more catchy name. No, it's not about the names. Like the... I don't know. The lions. The hawks. The hawks. So the hawks is like a thing, but they... the hawks... Scorpions. Mm-mm. But I think they used to be a scorpions, eh? Yeah, and they became the hawks. Yeah. I wish there was like a thing, like a... Like a cool... A nyan nyan. <laughs> a small nyan. Like... So I will talk... Because it's their job to know that these things are going to happen. Next week, are you going to tell us, like, exactly who these people are in the I secret organization? The, what secret organization? The the people who started the thing on the N3. No, we don't know who they are. Nameless, faceless. Twelve people have been arrested as the main instigators of this violence. Of the main people who orchestrated but i don't think their names are public because you also can't just name people randomly in the media okay <laughs> not have me rights. not me being upset about law and order <laughs> and then i'll discuss more about the police and like the government response and the findings that they found in the expert panel report but it is very, very, very distressing. Incredibly distressing. How are you not hiding under your bed every day, all day, knowing what you know? Everyone asks me this question. Mm. And you just have to compartmentalize, right? It's the only way. Okay, I can't compartmentalize. Everything is everything, all of the time. Because if I don't do that, then I will not do anything i'll Mm. just sit in my bed and have a constant existential crisis okay you have to block it out bro i'm not saying you i'm saying i tell myself that you have to block it out okay the same way that doctors do it psychiatrists they all have to do it psychologists you learn you just sit and hear people talk about their shit the whole day you have to block it out because you otherwise you just have the other thing you just have to treat it like a job between nine and five this is what i do and i get paid for it and it's just my job well folks thank you do we have nothing happy to say sorry we never do yeah sorry guys that's just the way the cookie crumbles (laughs) Like and subscribe, share. If I said anything that was incorrect, I can also do a corrections corner. Yeah, and like I say a lot of dumb things all the time. So feel free to be like Michelle. You need to like honestly, actually, don't come for me, please. I'm very sensitive and fragile. <laughs> we'll just cry ourselves to sleep. Yeah, I'm just gonna cry myself to sleep with our what. Two listeners. There's a bit more, maybe four. Four listeners. <laughs> anyway, guys, please make good decisions. And do not 
take up arms under any circumstances. Okay. What? Okay. It's true. I'm listening to you. I said okay. I won't. Please don't go around committing crimes, please. Don't go around committing crimes. Lock your car doors when you get into the car. When you get out of the car, check that all your car doors are locked. Um, eat a vegetable. <laughs> Drink water. Um, May the odds be in your favor. Oh, wash your face before you go to bed tonight. And good luck. And put sunscreen on tomorrow. Good luck. And don't fuck it up. <laughs> Bye. Bye.